comes to Asia, we really like to think about our market opportunities as uh, OTC versus prescription. And we very much feel that uh, THC will remain prescription. We see the big OTC or over-the-counter and non-prescription opportunity to be CBD and other minor cannabinoids. And it's that focus, I think, which is allowing us to establish such a, such a beachhead in markets such as Hong Kong, Japan, Thailand. From MJ Bulls Media, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today at Raising Cannabis Capital, we are joined by Fiocra Mullen and Ian Alexander from Altium. Fiocra and Ian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. Great to be here. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to talk about cannabis opportunities in the Asia-Pacific. And just so our listeners have a frame of reference, when we're talking about Asia-Pacific, we're referring to the continents of Asia and Australia. And before I start, I want to give our listeners a quick warning. If trying to wrap your heads around cannabis opportunities in a single state gives you a headache, this episode could blow blow your mind. (laughs) The area of the world where we're talking about contains more than half the world's population. Let's take this from a macro level. We know the scale of the opportunity is unimaginable. Let's just start off with some of the challenges. Well, thanks, Dan. Yeah, look, great question. We obviously cover a very broad piece of the world, as you mentioned, sort of approximately 51% of the world's population. And within that, so we've got a, a number of different countries and jurisdictions um, and then cultural challenges to have to deal with. So for us in Altum, you know, we, we very much focused on, on immediate market access and delivering access for consumers in Asian Pacific markets to cannabinoid products. And I guess with our background in Asia, our networks, I think we're trying to address the challenges that we see, which wouldn't be that much dissimilar from what the US colleagues of ours are facing as they enter into different states or or even look internationally. You know, when you said it couldn't be much different than the United States, but the one big difference is that there's a lot of different cultures there. United States, we we all speak the same language, basically, and it's similar culture, but you're dealing with a lot of different cultures, right? That's right. That's right. We've had experiences in dealing with this in, in different industries and sectors over a number of years. So again, I think for us, you know, a part of our strategy is that we've set up in Hong Kong. So we've really created a, a beachhead or, or a starting point to enter those Asian markets effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we want to do is really set up our operational and sales and marketing function there that will enable us to, to operate as a business in Asia, um, but then as needed, we'll expand into those those separate markets and, and create appropriate structures. Starting off in Hong Kong, I'm sure, gives you a huge advantage because, like you said, you have a beachhead there. But the products, you have to really take into account the different cultures and what's important to each group. It's not a one-size-fits-all even with the branding on the products or any aspect of the products. Absolutely, yeah. One thing that's really interesting about Asia, Dan, is that it actually has a you know, strong cannabis culture historically. So countries such as India and Thailand, uh, large parts of Western China, all have very strong like established cultures of consuming cannabis. And it was really just post-World War II when the U.S. was in the hegemonic position it is today that it forced a lot of these countries to remove cannabis 
from their cultures and from their kind of traditional medicines. So we are navigating a very interesting and um, kind of cultural and legal framework where as a first principle, Alton does want to build brands for Asian consumers rather than importing brands from North America, for example, because we know that the brands need to have the right cues and cultural, I guess, ties to those consumer populations to be relevant to them. I think you're really hitting the mark there. And in your business model, you have your supply chain already locked down so that you don't have to focus on bringing in the products as much as you can focus on the marketing side and breaking into all these new markets, which I think that's a must. You can't imagine doing the manufacturing and everything. Would I don't know that that would be possible. Yeah, you're spot on. You know, like many consumer goods industries that aren't cannabis, they end up maturing to a point where there's a very strong infrastructure uh, layer of contract manufacturing and production partnership um, opportunity. Mm-hmm. And we've found in North America after about 18 months uh, hard work on, on the ground there, um, some very, very capable and forward-looking manufacturing partners with whom we have very good working relationship. And so, as you said, outsourcing the cultivation and production risk um, for Alton really allows us to focus on the import pathway challenges for each of these markets and also on the brand development and consumer activation education challenge in market as well. One interesting point maybe for your listeners might be that we don't think the medicinal and recreational labels travel very well outside of North America. I'm not (laughs) sure if if, uh, you've noticed that, but... When it comes to Asia, we really like to think about our market opportunities as uh, OTC versus prescription. Okay. And we very much feel that THC will remain prescription for almost as long in the future as you could plan as a business, Mm -hmm. except for maybe specific exceptions. Uh, We may see New Zealand turn recreational later this year. They're going to have a vote in New Zealand at the end of the year on an adult use market. But the rest of Asia, really, we see we see the big OTC or over-the-counter and non-prescription opportunity to be CBD and other minor cannabinoids. It's that focus, I think, which is allowing us to establish such a such a beachhead in markets such as Hong Kong, Japan, Thailand. And that kind of ties into what you refer to as minimum viable cannabinoids. So you take each market mm-hmm. and you establish what their mm-hmm. parameters are and you build your products accordingly. Is that how that works? Exactly. We can take Hong Kong as an example. The Hong Kong framework, the regulatory framework governing cannabis, let's put it simply, it's not in place. Okay. And so there is no clean, well signposted route through which you can navigate and achieve the ability to import, uh, say, uh, THC or CBD products into Hong Kong. And so we've spent about three to six months working with the Hong Kong regulator and through a series of yes, no decisions hand in hand with them around what we can and can't do. And so at the moment in Hong Kong, for example, we've established a licensing pathway to import both CBD products as well as a selection of their minor cannabinoid products into wow. the market. Yes, it's it's pretty exciting. It's a, probably our most progressed market in the region. And with minimum viable cannabinoid, we're referring to, yes, that what's that minimum viable over-the-counter consumer product, whether it's a pet food, a, a cosmetic, or just a more classical tincture or soft gel that we can import and sell without our consumers needing prescriptions. We view kind of those as the big volume, high-impact opportunities to make a change in the region. As you pointed out, Dan, I think what that also highlights is that each market is different. Our, our regulatory requirements in each market will be unique. Um, and so there's a lot of in-house IP around 
that knowledge of how to access markets and, and what products we can enter markets with. I want to take a short break to play you a preview of our next episode and to thank our sponsors. Plastic that comes from our product uh, all comes from Haiti. So all throughout the island, they have boats that go out to pick up the plastic, they bring it back. People on the island sort it and then it's sent out for recycling. After it's recycled, Santa Packaging then takes that material and they turn it into our child resistant tubes. Every time you buy one of our pre-rolls, disposable vapes is the equivalent of pulling 15 straws or one watt water bottle out of the ocean. Tune in on Sunday to hear Mary and Patrick Ursick from Ocean Cannabis Company. And now let's get back to today's show. Where would you feel would be your next one or two markets that you think you'll be in? Well, great question. So I think for us, we're very focused on more of those Asian markets mm-hmm. that are open, such as China and, and potentially Japan. But I think if something like Thailand is actually passed as, as it stands, I mean, that could certainly leapfrog up our, um, our projections. Well, it's definitely a challenge as a first mover. And there's huge benefits, of course, but you have to wear a lot of different hats. Speaking of that, it's got to be kind of expensive. Are you in the process of raising capital? Yeah, great. I feel like there's a lot of companies out there currently raising capital. Look, for us, we're shortly about to, to launch our Series A round, following a lot of interest in the region over what we're doing and how we're doing it. The main use of our capital raises into increasing the resourcing of our company, our sales and marketing team and our execution abilities out of Hong Kong. Additionally, we need to invest in inventory and develop our our product. Again, I think for us, where the prime use of our capital raise is going to is in driving execution. The the cannabis industry is probably guilty of of over-promising and under-delivering. We hope we're, we're different, but we've got a strong focus on our sales and marketing function because we know that to be a a profitable business in the future. If you can't sell something, um, you don't have a business. Looking forward to um, kicking that off in the in the coming months and, and engaging with investors both in North America um, and and throughout Asia. What is nice about being an early mover in Asia is that you know the significant margin compression that I think we're observing in North America and, and large parts of Europe, especially in CBD, yeah. is very far from occurring here. <laughs> That's the silver lining to the challenge of being early, but you know, the margins are worthwhile at this time across the range of products that we're bringing to the market. Well, I give you a lot of credit. Trying to tackle half the world's population by yourself is going to be... <laughs> <laughs> hey, somebody's got to do it. Some, somebody's got to do it. We've been speaking to Fiacra and Ian from Altum. And we have all of their contact information in the show notes and at the mjbulls.com website. Guys, I appreciate you being on the show. Hopefully next time we can do this interview face-to-face. I'll come over there and we'll do the interview face-to-face. Yeah, we'd love to get some person and, um, and talk through it. Well, yeah. Well, 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 let's make sure that happens. Thanks very much yeah, for sure. having us on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, 
and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.